0: Our scripture this morning is from the book of Lamentations. I'm not going to read all the passage passage that I had initially uh, selected, but I'm going to read a portion of it, and we're going to focus on three verses. We're going to focus on verses 22, 23, and 24 of Lamentations chapter 3. But I'll begin reading at verse 19, And I'll read through verse 26 of Lamentations chapter 3. It's a small book. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail, they are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Well, We're going to be looking most directly at verses 22, 23, and 24, these words. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Well, here it is, January 1, 2023. I would like to fast forward 30 years. That'd be about a generation. And let's just imagine that it's January 1, 2053. And there's great sadness all across America. America had been, in the words of the Old Testament, a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a land of great beauty and rich natural resources lakes and rivers and majestic mountains and broad, fertile plains. And it was a land of freedom and opportunity. And it grew prosperous and powerful. But now there's a great and deep sadness throughout all the land. There's a lot of lamenting and a lot of groaning. Places of business that used to be full of people are now empty. Places like Wall Street and Washington, D.C., where powerful and influential people used to conduct commerce and politics are desolate. Factories that used to to employ thousands of people are now idle. And the noise of great machines are now replaced by an eerie silence. Interstate highways that used to be full of cars and trucks are now nearly desolate. The men and women who used to be leaders in business and government shake their heads with grief and regret. And virtually every family has been saddened by the fact that the brightest and best of their young people, their young men and young women, have been taken by the victorious enemy. Senior citizens who used to enjoy social security and discounts and go to places like Florida and Arizona in the winter, they're now struggling to make ends meet. The United States helped a lot of other nations But when the USA fell, there was no one to help her. On the contrary, there was mockery and jubilation by some of the nations in the world who were jealous of her prosperity. Foreign powers came and took away her her national wealth and individual people sold their personal treasures so they had enough to eat. The grief and pain and regret are the greatest among the people who can remember the good times of the past. Can you imagine a scene like I have just described? Actually, I was not describing America in 2053. I was not fast-forwarding 30 years. I was actually rewinding 2,500 years. I was describing Jerusalem after the fall of Judah in the year 587 B.C., The book of Lamentations was written by Jeremiah, and there are five songs and five chapters, one song in each chapter. The first two chapters of Lamentations describe the lament and the grief that I was picturing for the United States in 2053. I'm going to read part of the first chapter. I'm going to skip around. I'll read chapter one of Lamentation. How desolate lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she, who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night. Tears are upon her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there is none to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her, and they have become her enemies." The roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to her appointed feast. All her gateways are desolate. Her priests grieve, her maidens her, her priests groan, her maidens grieve, and she is in bitter anguish. Her foes have become her masters. Her enemies are at ease. The Lord has bought, brought great grief because of her many sins. Her children have gone into exile, captive before the foe. In the days of her affliction and wandering, Jerusalem remembers all the treasures that were hers in days of old. When her people fell into enemy hands, there was no one to help her. Her enemies looked at her and laughed at her destruction. Look, O Lord, on my affliction, for my enemy has triumphed. He has handed me over to those I cannot withstand. This is why I weep, and my eyes overflow with tears. See, O Lord, how distressed I am. I am in torment within, and in my heart I am disturbed, for I have been most rebellious. Outside the sword sword bereaves, inside there's only death. People have heard my groaning, but there's no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard my distress. They rejoice at what you have done. May you bring the day you have announced so they may become like me. Let all their wickedness come before you. Deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my sins. My groans are many and my heart is faint. Well, because of their great sin, God destroyed his own people by means of their enemies, their foreign powers, and great was their grief and lamentation. But coming back to that picture that I gave you of uh, 2053, it's not so difficult to imagine that picture, that portrait that I painted. Some of us shake our heads and we wonder about the future. And so inflation is now stealing our wealth. I just heard someone read somewhere that if you didn't receive a 7% increase, you had a pay cut. The National Debt is so large, it's beyond comprehension. $31 trillion. There's a war going on in Ukraine, as you all know. But no one knows how or when it will end. Our enemies seem to be growing stronger. And it does make you wonder how this will all work out in the end. But in the third chapter of Lamentation. There's a dawn of hope. It contains an acrostic, and if you're filling out uh, blanks in the outline, acrostic is spelled exactly like it sounds, A-C-R-O-S-T-I-C. And each three verses in Lamentations chapter 3 begin with the same letter. In fact, if you look in the Bible, you'll see it goes three verses, and there's a space. Three verses, and there's a space. And so each of those three verses is a strophe, and each strophe begins with the same letter. And so the first three verses of Lamentations 3 all begin with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph. The second three verses of Lamentations 3 all begin with the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Beth. And our text which we're looking at, verses 22, 23, 24, that's also a strophe, and each verse begins with the letter Keth. Well, in the context of God's punishment and the great lamentation of the people, these verses, 23, 22, 23, 24, are remarkable because they speak of God's unending love and mercy, which he gives new every day. And in a time of great lamentation, these verses speak about God's faithfulness God's mercies and compassions are experienced fresh every morning. This makes me think about what what happened on September 11, 2001. We call it 9-11. It was probably the most significant event of the last 25 years, of the last generation. Most of us, if we're over the age of 25, probably can remember exactly where we were. Remember what happened. A plane struck the World Trade Center, the two towering buildings in Washington, D.C., and uh, in New York City, and also a plane struck uh, the Pentagon. And we were all horrified as we watched those buildings collapse. Thousands of people were killed, including my cousin David, who worked on the 103rd floor of the South Tower. His remains were never found. He grew up in Muskegon, Michigan, He went to Hope College, played football at Hope College. And so business and industry were affected, especially the airlines were affected. All the airspace in the United States was closed. Planes could not even enter the United States. It was a terrible time. And people shook their head, people uh, wept and uh, wailed, but we didn't just lament our losses back on 9-11. As a nation, we focused on the courage and the bravery of the firefighters. And there was a tremendous renewal of patriotism and prayer and God. We were attacked. But like the words of Jeremiah, we could say, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. And in the midst of all the lamentation of 9-11, there was hope. So here we are, January 1, 2023. Let's look at verses 22, 23, and 24. They're comforting and challenging as we begin a new year. Let's take verse 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. No one knows what the new year will bring. they are optimistic Predictions and pessimistic predictions. Will the stock market go up or will the stock market go down? Will there be a terrorist attack on the United States as there was on 9 11 back in 2001? And if so, what kind will it be? Will it be a cyber attack or will it be some other kind? No one knows. Will new sources of energy be found? such as uh, nuclear fusion, which has been in the news in the last few weeks, which would be an unlimited amount of, of energy with no pollution. Will there be a cure for cancer found or some other disease that uh, plagues us? Will there be a nuclear attack somewhere in the world or a nuclear accident that would kill thousands, if not millions? Will there be another pandemic? Will there be another virus Will millions of people uh, die as a result? No one knows. No one can answer any of these questions. No one can predict the future. But one thing is certain. We can know for certain that the Lord's great love will never cease and his compassions will never fail. The world's supply of natural gas and oil may fail, may end, But God's love will not. Now, we may know that in our mind. We may confess that with our mouths. But there may be times, and there may be times in this coming year when we will wonder. Maybe there will be the death of a loved one. Maybe the death of someone young. And we will wonder, why God? Maybe there will be some disappointment, some great discouragement, some catastrophe, and we will wonder, where was God? Where was his love? Where was his compassion? In fact, I think as I begin a new year on January 1, I probably can predict with a high degree of certainty that there's going to be a death in this congregation. Has there ever been a year where there hasn't been a death? Maybe there will be some great discouragement or disappointment. But Scripture assures us that the steadfast love of God is such that we will not be consumed. And his compassion is such that they will never fail. Let's look at verse 23. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This is going to sound like a contradiction of terms. But the compassions of the Lord, which never fail, do not last forever. That sounds like a a contradiction of terms, doesn't it? But what it means is that the compassions and the mercy of the Lord are given and need to be received fresh and new every morning. God's mercies and compassions could be compared to the manna in the wilderness. I'm going to read a little bit from Exodus uh, chapter 14, chapter 16, excuse me, and it describes how that manna worked. I think maybe you're familiar with the story, but let me read it anyway. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much. And he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses, and they kept part of it until morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as he needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day of the Sabbath, there will not be any. So you got the story. Manna came fresh every morning, new every day. And they were able to gather what they needed for that day, but if they tried to gather an extra supply for the next day, it would get moldy and it would stink, except for the day before the Sabbath. Then they would gather two days' supply and it would not get moldy or stink because the next day, was the sabbath and on the sabbath there would not be uh, any manna well that's kind of uh, the way uh, the lord told us to pray the lord's prayer because the lord said give us this day our daily bread we pray for our physical needs that we need for that day each day we take each day as it comes the point is that we as we begin a new year We need to live this year one day at a time. We need to receive God's love and grace and compassion, fresh and new every morning. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave us an important warning in Matthew 6, verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So we take each day as it comes, trusting in God's care, trusting in his love and his compassion, that they will never end, and we will receive them fresh every morning. In many areas of life, we lose what we don't use. If we try to accumulate something for the future, it it disappears. Take, for example, our physical health and strength. If someone uh, is faithful in exercise and walking or running or, uh, and, and in diet, they eat the right kinds of food, and then if they stop, stop exercising, stop walking, stop eating the right food, you know what's going to happen. Their strength is going to uh, weaken, and problems will come. Physical problems will come. The same thing is true in Education. If a student graduates from high school or college and say, "Wow, well, that's it, and they ever, never open up another book, they will soon become outdated, opinionated, and narrow-minded. Continuing education is important. Teachers are required to do continuing education. Business requires employees to do continuing education. Pastors are encouraged to do continuing education. Education. If you look back a generation, the changes that have taken place are mind boggling. In fact, I was talking with someone in the back of church before the service. We were talking about cell phones and smart TVs and all the security that's everywhere and the social media and GPS and the like. And I mentioned I have this new Apple Watch. It's unbelievable. All the apps on my phone are on my watch. If someone texts me, uh, it will tell me on my watch. If someone calls me, it will tell me on my watch. There's so many things on this watch, I can't figure them all out. My wife and I want to know how to do the walkie-talkie on our watch. We can't figure it out. So we went to the Apple store, and the person we talked to couldn't figure it out either. A lot of people are having trouble figuring out how to work all the stuff that's on this amazing watch. We got these watches because we're participating in a study called Heartline. It's trying to determine uh, when people get AFib. AFib causes blood clots, which causes heart attacks and strokes. And if they can detect AFib early, they can prevent those other bad things. Things change so fast. Like it change exponentially, and that's the way it's going to be in 2023 and the years uh, beyond. Or let's take marriage, for example. Suppose a bride and groom get married on their wedding day and say, well, that's it. We made it. And they don't do anything to nurture that marriage. It'll grow stale very quickly. The wedding needs to be considered the the beginning, not the end of their relationship. A marriage is to be worked at every day of the year so that people can enjoy the adventure that a wonderful marriage is supposed to be. True for the church, too. The church has to constantly be uh, building on the foundations that we have been given. We need to be constantly planting new churches and uh, developing strategies of evangelism and using the technology of the day. The church has to constantly be applying its doctrines and teachings to the challenges Uh, issues of each day. It's also true for government and society. Government has to constantly be uh, making new laws, dealing with new challenges, facing uh, new problems. Arnold Twainby, a famous historian, told a story about a lost city that was overgrown by vegetation. There were weeds and there were bushes and trees and vines and one day someone discovered that city. And he cleared away all the vegetation, all the vines, and what he found was the remains of a great city. And so Arnold Twainby said, the jungle waits like a beast to spring upon a careless civilization. Our churches, our Christian schools, our nation was built by the sacrifices of the previous generations. But as soon as people are not willing to make that sacrifice, if this generation is not willing to make those sacrifices for the church and the school and the nation, their end might be in sight. The church is always on the edge of an abyss. I remember someone saying, the church is always one generation away from extinction. We can never rest on past accomplishments and boast about God's love and compassion in the past. We need to confront 2023 and every uh, year looking for God's love and compassion day by day in the future. And it also is true in our personal life, by the way. If we stop worshiping, if we stop reading the Bible and stop engaging in prayer, stop doing all those spiritual disciplines, then pretty soon our spiritual life will become stagnant or worse. So we enter a new year that's full of challenges and opportunities. There may be and there will be griefs and disappointments, but we don't enter the year alone. We face the new year confident of God's presence going with us, confident of God's love and compassions that they will never fail, but they're not given in advance. They're not given at the beginning of the year for th- something that's going to happen at the end. He gives us love. He gives his uh, mercy and grace in a time of need. And so in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. It's not going to be sufficient today for what's going to happen in June or July. It's sufficient in a time of need. I've had people tell me that if something happened to them or their loved ones, if there was an illness or something that they see experienced by someone else, if that would happen to them, they tell me they would never be able to handle it. And then it happens. And they discover God's grace is sufficient. Well, that brings us to the 24th verse. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. When the people of Israel entered the promised land, the tribes and the families all received a portion, they all received an inheritance. And it reminds me of one of my favorite verses. Psalm 73, verse 26, where it says, My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I suspect that some of us who are beginning 2023, today on January 1, are not going to see the end of this year here on earth. However, as a believer, we can face the future knowing that God's love and compassion never fails, but it's always experienced new and fresh every day for as many days and as many years as the Lord may give us, and then he will be our portion forever. Let's go to God in prayer. Almighty God, here we are at the beginning of a new year, and we want to thank and praise you for your great love, for your compassions, for your faithfulness, and we are confident and we trust that they will be experienced new and fresh every day of this coming year. Many people on the first day of a new year are making all kinds of resolutions. And so, Lord, we pray that we will engage in something of a spiritual reset. Perhaps there are sins that have been afflicting us By the power of your Holy Spirit and your word, help us in this coming year to overcome them. And so, Lord, as we look ahead to the future, we pray that those talents and those gifts that you have given us and the time, the days that you have entrusted to us, that we will use these things to honor and glorify you as we serve in your church and your kingdom. Hear us, we pray, as we begin this new year. For we ask it only and always, in Jesus' name, amen.